Hello and welcome to Marysville Church of Christ, the teaching podcast. Today's Easter sermon comes from Jeff Darby. Without further ado, let's get right into the lesson. You know, today's a special day. Today's Easter. And all around the world, people are celebrating Resurrection Sunday. Arguably the most important day in the Christian calendar. It was on this day that our Lord Jesus Christ broke the bonds of death. And not just that he burst from the realm of death to the realm of life. But in doing so, he ultimately destroyed the greatest tool in Satan's arsenal. That tool, that, that, that end result of our own sin. You see, everything that's in our world that is not of God can be traced back to our own sinful state. And sin brought with it death. And if we think about our world and everything that's in it, we can easily attribute to Satan, to death, to sin, those things that Jesus' resurrection declared victory over. Everything that's not of God. Warfare and hatred. Disappointment and sadness, heartbreak and and despair, theft and murder, cancer and virus. These are all things that God never intended for us to experience and never intended to be part of our world. And from the moment we ushered them in with our own sin, we brought with it this great specter of death. And Jesus Christ in one triumphant moment, Bursting forth from a grave representing not only power of life and death, but power over good and evil, power over sin and wrong. And forevermore, a proclamation to the world of God's victory and our invitation to be a part of it. You know, reading about the resurrection... Study in our modern world is something that is such an amazing thing. We live in such a phenomenal time and place that never before in history have we had at our fingertips with just the touch of a keyboard or or the pulling down of a book off a shelf as much information, as many resources, as as many facts and, and, and insights and ideas about topics as we have today. And few topics have received more study than that of the resurrection. You know, there are a lot of resources that are helpful in looking at these. We have here a a stack of of resources that are helpful. Uh, This contains hundreds of years of collected intellect and academic pursuit and, and wisdom and insight. Here in these pages, we have men and women who have dedicated their lives to the study of of language and culture and and scripture and understanding how to bring together insights and and, and ideas that otherwise might be unrevealed to us, unknown to us. And those are an enormous blessing. What we gain from those are uh, just a beautiful and wonderful way for us to further our understanding. But i got to tell you, Those aren't the books that I've been most blessed by this week in preparation for this lesson. 
These are the books that have been the biggest blessing to me. You see, these aren't books of highly academic, intellectual experts in, in language and culture and scriptural texts. These are children's storybooks. These are books that are based around the idea of wonder. Of being amazed, of being enthused, of being exhilarated by a story that is so mind-boggling and so overwhelming and, and so utterly incomprehensible that all we can do is sit before it with the excitement and enthusiasm of a child. I don't know that there's ever been an event in history that more rightly merited the greatest of our academic intellectual uh, pursuits combined with the soul deep level wrenching awesome wonder that really in so many ways children can teach us and no one else can what an event what a moment that causes us to stand in wonder the earth quakes. A massive stone rolls away. Hardened Roman soldiers who have seen bloodshed and, and deprivation beyond what we can understand are tossed aside and are so shaken that they, they, they sit like mumbling zombies, uncomprehending what's going on and unable to make sense of it. Conversations are had with dazzling angels. Grave clothes lie compressed on a death bench as if the body evaporated out from it. Fear and panic and, and shock and exhilaration and amazement and confusion and, and awe and jubilation. In a word, it's, it's a wonder. Oh, that we could really come to this story with all the intellect of the commentary and all the wonder of the children's books. But you know, even if we could, I think there's a voice within us that, that questions, that, that asks if it's even really possible at all. I mean, when you stop and think about it, this, this happened like 2,000 years ago. It happened, you know, halfway around the world. We weren't there. We didn't see it. We didn't hear it or experience it. At best, it's always going to be something distant to us, right? I mean, we're not like Mary and Mary and Peter and, and John and, and, and these people that were really there and really experienced it. Uh, that, that experience can't be ours, right? I mean, I wonder if in some ways it's the best we can hope for is the wonder of a children's book. Or the cold, hard facts of a scholar's pen. Maybe that's all this experience can really be for us. I, I mean, in some ways, I think it's so far off. And, and we think of this as something that's so beautiful, and, but so distant. And so beyond our ability to get our hands on and to experience for ourselves. It's, it's like a beautiful painting whose colors have faded with time. It's like a beautiful love note that was written on paper so long ago that the ink has begun to fade and the paper has begun to yellow. We know that it's beautiful and it's marvelous, but somehow it's far away and distant and removed, and it's almost like it's the experience of others, not really the experience for us. 
sure. That was Mary's experience, but that's not really ours, right? That can't really be how we experience it, can it? I mean, listen to some of these words. The Bible writers are just amazing in their, their capacity to express to us in written word how profoundly impactful this event was on their lives. This event changed their lives in dramatic and spectacular ways. One writer, in reflecting back on this moment, this moment of Jesus bursting forth from the grave and overcoming death and overcoming sin, when he reflects back on this, listen to what one of the things that he says about this, about Jesus Christ and his resurrection. He is the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven on earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rules or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. In Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He might have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile Himself to everything, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood that was shed on a cross. This writer, when he thinks back on that moment and how profound its impact, look at the, look at the wonder Look at the praise, look at the glory that bursts forth. That's an experience. That's an experience that we would love to have. Let's think about this. Another, another, another passage reflecting on the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Take the same attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be exploited, but instead he emptied himself and took on the form of a servant, the likeness of humanity. And when he had become as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him a name above all names, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, God. That expresses a power that this experience had in the life of this writer. If we would have been there, we could have had something like this too. But it's just so far removed. And it's so long ago. One last example of this. The power of this moment. God exercised His power in Christ by raising Him from the dead and seating Him at the right hand of the heavens, far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And He subjected everything unto His feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills everything in every way. This is a guy who gets it. This is a guy whose life was altered by this event. Oh, I wish that we could have an experience like he had of Jesus' resurrection. But you know, we can't all be like Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, we of course remember. We remember the experience that she had in Jesus' resurrection. We remember that she was a woman who had been possessed by demons and Jesus cast them out of her. Look where she had been. This woman was granted the enormous blessing of being the first person to see the resurrected Lord. This woman became the first proclaimer of Easter. She became the first one to share the message that Jesus Christ had risen from the grave. 
What an experience. She saw it. She heard it. She touched it. We could never have an experience like that. What about the experience of Peter? That would have been a real experience, wouldn't it? This one who just hours before had been a denier of Jesus. I don't even know him. I don't know what you're talking about. Look where he'd been. This one who was the first to walk down into that tomb and to see it empty. The first to witness the empty tomb from the inside. This one who was, was given the, the moniker, the, the rock, the one whom Jesus said that he's going to build his church through the, the great confession that he gives, the one whom Jesus would entrust with the responsibility of establishing his church on the day of Pentecost and through whom his mission, Jesus' mission, would be continued. Of course he had an experience of the resurrection. Look at how he experienced it personally. He saw it. He heard it. He touched it. We could never hope to have an experience like that, could we? Let's take Thomas. If we could have had an experience like Thomas, then we could really have something, couldn't we? Thomas who had doubted the resurrection altogether. That same Thomas who held in his own hands the wounded hands of the one who died for him. Look where he had been. Look what he had learned. It's the same Thomas who in that wonderful proclamation there in that, in that setting was the first one to call Jesus God when he said, My Lord and my God, he got it. His experience of the resurrected Lord radically transformed who he had been and brought him into who he was. He heard it. He saw it, he touched it, he experienced it in a way that, sadly, I don't guess we could ever know. This event, this one moment in the scope of history that so beautifully connects a symmetrical picture of academic understanding and, and, and childlike wonder, that so beautifully brings together insights and, and intellect along with the mysteries and, and the amazement. But I guess you had to be there. I guess you had to be there. What if we could have had an experience like those that writer that we read his words just a moment ago? What if we could have an experience like that so that the, the resurrected Christ could mean this to us? So that we could say things like he said, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that he might come to have first place in everything. And God was pleased to have fullness dwell in him and reconcile himself all things, whether earth things or things in heaven, an experience of the resurrection. This is an amazing proclamation. And he's saying, because of the experience that I've had of the resurrected Lord, I can say these things. Because of the experience I've had, I can say that he humbled himself by becoming obedient to even the point of death, to even death on a cross. And for this reason, God highly exalted him. I can say these things because I've had an experience of Jesus, the resurrected Lord. He could write, God exercised his power in Christ by raising him from the dead, seating him at the right hand, far above every ruler, authority, and power, and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but the age to come. How can he say those things? Because he had an experience of the resurrected Lord. Just a few minutes ago, 
our dear brother Joe read us a passage of Scripture. And that passage of Scripture was written in light of an experience of the resurrection. And it had verses like this, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. He appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve and to five hundred brothers, to sisters at one time, most of them still alive, but some have fallen asleep. This, this early writer is recounting, recounting this moment and how profoundly impactful it was. Later he says this, We have put our hope in Christ for this life only, then we should be pitied more than anyone else. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all who will fall to sleep, for death came through a man and the resurrection comes through a man. And later, when this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, this mortal body is clothed with immortality. Then the saying will take place, death has been swallowed up by victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast and movable, excelling in the Lord's work, because you know your labor is not in vain. This is a man who had a profound experience with the resurrected Lord. At this point, some of you are on to my game. Every passage that I've quoted so far has been from Paul. Paul wasn't like Mary. Paul wasn't like Thomas. Paul wasn't like Peter. Paul wasn't there. I wasn't there. You weren't there. Paul experienced the resurrection of Jesus Christ the way we experience the resurrection of Christ. I skipped a very important passage where it says, I handed down to you what was given to me. He didn't say, I saw it firsthand, I was there, I saw it, I touched it, I felt it, I heard it. He said it was given to me. And the fact that it was given to him did not diminish the profound impact it had on his life. Here's a line I want you to think about and remember. Paul experienced the resurrection like we do. But do we experience the resurrection like he did? Say it again. Paul experienced the resurrection like we do. But do we experience the resurrection like he did? Paul experienced it secondhand. We experienced it secondhand. It was handed down to him. It was handed down to us. He learned about it. We learn about it. So we share in how we experience that. The question is, do we experience it like he did? Because you see, the experience for Paul was something profoundly radical in his life. Paul became something wildly different than he had ever been. It was the most transformative, a central piece of everything that he was. From the moment on the day of Damascus, the road to Damascus, that he was introduced to the risen Lord. Every single thought of his mind from that point forward, every single word of his speech from that point forward, every action, every attitude was now under, under the restriction of, under the guidance of, through the filter of a resurrected Savior. It so profoundly changed his life that the resurrection became the hallmark, the centerpiece, the banner that he waved, and the marching orders under which he moved forward. His entire life was redirected. 
because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. He experienced the resurrection the way we do, but do we experience it the way he did? Does it impact us that deeply and profoundly? Do we live our lives now with completely changed people because we know about a risen Savior? Is it changing and shaping and molding and directing the steps of our path? Is it changing our attitudes and our thoughts and our actions and our deeds? Do we do everything that we do because we know He lives? Because we know that He lives for us? Because we know that He calls us to a life with Him. Three things that I want to close with this morning, and, and they will give us some insights into how it was that Paul was so profoundly impacted by an event that he did not personally see. Because you and I are not personal witnesses of this event, and I believe yet we can be deeply impacted, profoundly impacted by it. Paul gives us three specific insights of how it is that this is possible. The first is, Paul had a deep, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. On that road to Damascus, he was introduced to Christ, but he spent the rest of his life in a relentless pursuit of a deeper, more meaningful relationship with Jesus on a personal level. The hallmark of his life, the, I want to know Christ it was his purpose in life. It was his desire. I want to know him. I want to know him better. I want to become more uh, completely aware of who he is, what he wants, what he loves, what he's doing in my life and in the world. And what was that based in? Think about that verse. I want to know Christ and the power of his rising. What was it that charted his course of relentless pursuit of a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. It was the fact that he raised, he was raised from the dead. That can be true in your life and mine as well. A relentless pursuit of relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, Paul had an experience of death. Paul had an experience of death. Death, first of all, to self. Death to his past, de death to who he was. Paul had to turn his back on a lot of things. He had to turn it back on who he was and what he had done and, and where he'd been and what he believed and where he'd come from. He had to turn his back on those things. And One of Paul's favorite illustrations of conversion is the idea of death to the old man, death to the old way, death to the old self. And that's exactly what the resurrection of Jesus Christ calls us to, an experience of death, a death to who we were and to what we've done. Number three, Paul had an experience of life. In fact, Paul had an experience of a new life, if you will, a resurrected life. Paul not only ceased to be who he was, but he invited the transforming power of Jesus Christ to come into his life and to make something new, to make something that wasn't there. That death to the old self opened the door for an embrace of a new life. And Jesus' resurrection was just that to him. A personal invitation to a new life, a risen life. And that's the resurrection, the resurrection promise to you and I as well. That he invites us to become new, resurrected, new life people. Paul famously said, 
I have suffered loss of all things and consider them as dung, so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. And my goal is to know Him and the power of His rising and the fellowship of His suffering being conformed to His death and assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection that is from the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or I am ready, perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue my goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Just because we weren't there doesn't mean we can't experience it. Just because we didn't see it, hear it, touch it, doesn't mean it can't change our life in profound and spectacular ways. Just because we didn't see it with our eyes doesn't mean that we can't embrace the wonder. Just because we didn't hear it doesn't mean that we can't engage in the intellectual understanding of it. And just because we didn't see it doesn't mean that our lives can't be completely transformed by the events that took place on Resurrection Sunday all those many years ago. Paul experienced it like us, but do we experience it like him? Is it the transforming power in our life that it was for him and should be for us? Does it encourage us to pursue a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, to recognize a life new and a life that we put to death? Does it encourage us to to be uh, those that celebrate the wonder of Easter? Not just this Sunday, but every Sunday because of what it does and what it means.